On the 7th of March 2018, Georgina Garcella left her home in Worthing and vanished without trace. Every single case I've ever had where I've had success historically is there's been a parent or someone who hasn't allowed the police to forget it, hasn't allowed the public to forget it. We stop at absolutely nothing. We're not scared. We are not scared. A mother's journey to uncover the truth. I want answers. I want to find out what happened and I won't stop until I do. Murdered, missing, unsolved. This search for Georgina. Episode two, Final Footsteps. I'm back in Worthing today to meet with Andrea and to walk Georgina's probable route, which took her from her home to the shop in nearby Clifton Road during the morning of the 7th of March, 2018. It's a busy route with the railway crossing and Worthing train station along the way. And I'm keen to get a sense of this place and the geography and to hear more about Georgina as we walk her last known steps. Bring us back to the day when Georgina left the house for the very last time. So um, she's walking out here. So on the 7th of March, Georgina would have walked this way, presumably to the right, um, towards Clifton Road. What do we know of the weather that day? I don't, it wasn't raining or anything, as I can remember, and I don't think it was snowing, um, because we'd had some snow a few weeks before when it was really bad. And so I do remember. Um, so these are pretty, you know, suburban 1930s houses, a bit down at heel as we're walking towards Clifton, towards the phone shop that we know she definitely arrived around 9.30, 9.45. The last phone masked ping registered uh, Georgina's phone at your house, just back there, 100 metres, around quarter past eight. Uh, quarter to eight, between quarter to eight, quarter past eight, around quarter that time. Yeah. Around that time. So we know the phone was alive then, and the last time the phone was recorded as alive mm. was at 11 o'clock on that day when there was a message, we understand, from her dad. I thought it was a voicemail from her dad. Um, but the, um, the SIM card wasn't actually in the phone that morning went because I sit when I got up and she was sitting downstairs at six the, she, the, she'd taken the sim card out of the phone trying to fit it into the phone that I gave her and because she couldn't fit it in she just sort of dumped them into a carrier bag so the none of the phones had sim cards in we're coming off Normandy Road and we're now crossing the road here taking a right on North Court Road right on North Court Road weather more or less the same. She would have gone this way if she was going to towards Clifton Road. If she was going to the station, she would have turned left because you, you can get to the back of the station, but we haven't got any reason to believe that she went to the station. If we think she didn't take a detour and she arrived around 9.30 at the phone shop, how long would it have taken her to go from your house to the phone shop? Uh, six or seven minutes. So we're talking leaving your house around 9.20. Of course, there is the possibility that she may have left the house earlier and gone to her boyfriend's house. Um, that's a possibility. That's a possibility, yeah. I did suggest that to the police, um, but as most of the things I suggested, um, they said they didn't think it was very likely. So we'll explore that. The police tend to yeah. dismiss that, didn't they? They did, yeah. How do you feel when you're walking in her final footsteps? Well, uh, I never. I try to to not think about the final bit because, um, as I always say to Petra, 
then like I give up my hope. But um, I find it sad and I just try and not think about the, the final bit, to be honest. Um, my goal each day is to, to keep looking to find out what happened to her. But this is a kind of a means to an end. We're actually trying to retrace our steps so we can, as best we can, sort out an effective reconstruction. And so it was quite interesting to see CTV here. Um, I asked about that and they said there's not enough on it. It's like a few seconds. So the few seconds of her walk across, and do they have a timeline for that? Um, when she crossed, because... I, no, I never got um, an answer. They ju I just said, what about the CCTV at the gates? And they said, oh no, it's just a few seconds. There's nothing on that. That would be critical because that would mean it would be able to pinpoint an actual time when she left your house mm -hmm. and to confirm whether she'd taken any detours or not. Uh, you think that's something you can maybe ask them about and we'll ask them about. Yeah, that was the end of the CCTV here. They did put out a sort of a medium appeal because when the guy who said he'd seen her opposite on the next road and he was looking out, he said he also said there was some sort of teenagers sitting outside Tesco's that night. So they put out an appeal to ask if any of them could come forward, but nobody did. And so uh, there was a sighting of her in the evening. In the evening. And that Around 8 o'clock, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, and that must have been quite critical because, of course, it was a meeting at that time, until very recently, the last sighting people had of her on CCTV was effectively around at the phone shop around 9.30, 9.45. This sighting they dismissed because they couldn't corroborate it with any anything, so they dismissed it afterwards. Who was the person who saw Georgina here? Uh, I think it Might be that guy there. Yeah. We saw Georgina. Okay, well, let's uh, take a wander down. As we're retracing Georgina's route, we by chance come across a key witness in the case. Now, this witness has asked that he remains anonymous, but he's a local shopkeeper who knew Georgina personally. He tells us that he was at a family member's flat for a get-together between 6 and 8 p.m. on the day that Georgina disappeared. The flat that he was in looks down upon the area at the front of the Tesco Express at the junction of Clifton Road and Towering Road. He hears the sound of raised voices from the outside and looks down to see someone who he says with 100% certainty is Georgina. And what he says next is key. He says that Georgina was in some kind of altercation with two men, that they appeared to be arguing. He describes the men as having smart haircuts and one of them had a distinctive side parting and the other had spiky hair. He watches as Georgina and the two men walk past a group of teenagers sat outside Tesco before they disappear off in the general direction of the railway crossing. To me, this witness seems completely credible and believable and he is in no doubt about what he saw that night. I'm intrigued to find out from Andrea what happened next. We're on the walk and here we have, we bump into a witness who definitively says and knows Georgina, unmistakable, from a window and just below sees a row between a group of men, two white men in particular, and detailed interaction and between six and eight on the day she went missing. Said I've emailed the police, I've spoken to the police and I said I believe this guy, I believe what he says is true because he's known her, he knows her personally and they just dismissed it. To my mind, 
it would seem that he's a very reliable witness because what he said was, he said, did they go past the station? He said, well, I couldn't see that. Yeah. I could only see what's sort of, you know, from this corner. It goes at the back to the back of the station there. But a lot of people would have said, oh, would have filled in and given a presumption. Oh yeah, they must have gone down there. But no, no, he specifically only said and gave a description of what he could see. And from what he could see, where he's standing, the only thing he could see was, he couldn't see around the corner. He could yeah. see straight to that and he could see they went left. And he didn't add anything, any extra color in. And that, to my mind, he was a very good witness. Oh yeah, we believe we believe him. We believed him all along. We've, we've always kept to that and said that that's we believe that's what happened. You know, even when the police said that they couldn't corroborate it, I said, well, I, I believe this story. Yeah, we've mm. we've been to see him for about an hour. He always tells exactly the same story. There is no change to it. He's clearly not adding anything in that is not true. You know, like you say, he's kind of, um, you know, he knows that from there he can't see, that, you know, whether someone is going to the station is impossible. You can't see around the corner here from up the top of that building where he saw her from. So um, uh, we are very clear, aren't we? A hundred and fifty percent that he's telling the truth. So now, uh, above the din of the traffic, and of course, this traffic would be exactly the kind of traffic she would have faced in the morning as she went to the uh, phone shop. So where is the phone shop in relation it's, to this? Um, it's a, like a convenience shop, really, but you know, they sell SIM cards. Okay, well, so she come down here. We saw her on the CCTV she come this way, and she walked across the middle of the road here. Okay, let's walk. Crossed on the corner of... Walks across yeah, this, you know. Yeah. She doesn't go to the... It wouldn't be Georgina to go to the, the actual crossing. And she comes up here. So where is the, the shop? So you just see her walking up here. Yeah. Um, this is a shop that she did use as well. But This is an all-in-one yeah. past the Turkish uh, restaurant. Yeah. And we've got some scaffolding here. We've got some houses for sale, for let. She comes right up to here, Clifton Food and Wine, and goes into here. This, um, is this a phone shop? This is the, no, this is the sort convenience. Of convenience. Yeah, she didn't go to a phone shop, I think. The, she went we, here. When, when the police shop. put the uh, appeal out, they wrote phone shop and, and we sort of continually asked them to change it. Because because it was quite misleading for people. Because it wasn't, this is a Clifton food and wine shop. Yeah. Yes. But they said, she came in here, she asked him about a SIM card. This door was open on the CCTV uh, sighting. Now we can see on the side here, and I know there are new owners here, but this probably wouldn't have been too different. Gift gaff vouchers. Yeah. She had her old SIM card, mm. and you had given her a phone. She was yeah. trying to match yeah. the phone, and she was struggling with that. Mm. Okay, and how long was she in the shop for? Um, 10 minutes, I think. Well, of the CCTV, I think the whole CCTV was 12 minutes. So you just see her come down here, and then she goes in, she gets rummages in her bag, she talks oh, to him. The CCTV for a bit. footage was from here, was it? From um, this camera there? That we caught the street? Must have been inside he inside. had one. There must have been, he had one that pushed that quarter coming down. Then she was, that you see her walking in. So we have the CCTV here on the left. Yeah. Okay. He's on the side. That would have caught very wide angle her coming in, yeah. and the shot from inside right. here and maybe a top shop from there. Then you okay. see her going off. And, and then, then she it... goes off with that and out of, so she goes out of sight past the Chinese food market yeah, and then the... she goes into the, the pastel coloured houses. That's the, it, you right don't see side. anything. You just see sort of see her feet then and then that was it. That was it, that's it. That's until they found the new CCTV footage of yeah. the last, you'd kind of seen her. Of her.
While Andre goes in to speak to the shopkeeper, I want to recap where we are and in particular note the significance of the CCTV. Now we're currently stood outside Clifton Food and Wine, which is on the Clifton Road in Worthing. This is where the last known confirmed piece of CCTV footage featuring Georgina comes from. Now there is another piece of footage which is found 18 months later, which we'll talk about in future episodes. The Clifton Food and Wine footage shows Georgina enter the shop with her carrier bags and she has a lengthy conversation conversation with the shopkeeper. She shows him her mobile phone and also what appears to be a handheld game console. She seems in pretty good spirits and leaves the shop back onto Clifton Road, turns right and walks out of sight of the CCTV cameras dressed in her distinctive coat. As Andrea comes back out of the shop, we continue the trail. Out here and she um, she sort of looked like that, like as if she was thinking, and then all of a sudden just turned that way, didn't she? Looked as was she going to go left, was she going to go right? Yeah, so she, she ends up sort of going right. And where is this a direction towards? Straight down is sort of to the town. If you go cut onto the sea, um, but then if you if you there's two or three roads here. If you cut through them. They could bring you back round to the station. They could take you to the town. They could take you to the police station. They could, there's no, there's, to the other side of town. Well, apart from potential conflicts between quarter past 10 or 10 o'clock on that morning she went missing and the four o'clock, we know it may not have been significant what happened between those hours. We do know we have a sighting being six and eight of a row here that police have dismissed and some interaction to white men. Let's walk our way down here, a little bit down here to the last shots where she was seen. You see, it's getting a little edgier. It just feels a little le less cared for, a little more unkempt. And here we come, the last shots of her as she's drifting with her boots and her grey jeans are coming up here. And now we have these rather distinctive pastel-coloured houses. You know, you often see in seafronts. So then we didn't know anything about her for the next six hours until you got an email from the police mm. to say that she was spotted outside a bank around four o'clock in Worthing mm. Town Centre. Now, that is problematic, isn't it? So in that time, all those months, they sort of led us to believe that she'd either got taken in her car or something had happened to her around here. But as a consequence, there are now six hours of potential video footage. She obviously was in the city centre or around mm. the area between here and four o'clock, between 10 o'clock in the morning, the day she went missing, and four o'clock. And that, to my mind, demonstrates a bankrupt failure in the investigation. The fact that they took a decision that she didn't go there. So that early decision the police made was fundamentally flawed and left out hours and hours of footage, which now means, of course, that basically all these potential leads, who she was with, what she talked to, you know, are now gone. Yeah. And they want to be congratulated. They said to you, you must feel very grateful for all the hard work which found this one bit of video footage. Well, I didn't say, I said I was really disappointed in this the CCTV actually, because um, it's, it's been 18 months and why didn't you, you follow up anything that we'd asked? During that 18 months, we've been constantly asking them, what has that been done? Why aren't you doing that? that, that? And it was always, no, we don't need to do that. Or we've done that. And, so, and I said, how come at the CCTV, you found it now? And that I know that was because um, Andy was the one who asked for the peripheral uh, CCTV to be checked when he took over. Just to remind the listeners why we know she definitely didn't go away. Um, she, well, she's got two children that she really, she, I mean, she's loved. Um, she hadn't used her... Uh, bank card which she had money in and Georgina would have spent that money. Do we know when that money came in? 
Um, I think it came in around that night, around that day or the day after. She was living yeah. hand to mouth and that kind of a distance. Yeah. Her benefits come in, yeah. it would be gone yeah. or some of it. So, whoever. And food, she, because she got a bulimia, obviously she'd, she'd spend it on food and drink. So, food and drink? Uh, takeaways, like that's how she sort of, she was quite known in that takeaway shop. So, she would spend it on takeaways or, and drink, yeah. So we know that when the money would have come in by around midnight of that night, mm. then she would have spent it or gone out. Not all of it. She did sort of ration it a bit. But she'd have spent it. Yeah. The minute but it came in. It wouldn't have been in there sort of a week later. Definitely not. So she'd have probably just spent mm. some of it on that evening, mm. and we know she didn't. Yeah. And so that means that basically we know that the minute the money went in, then she probably was not in control of her own independent mm. movements. So either something had happened mm. or she was kidnapped or that she was murdered sometime before midnight. When we first reported it, a few days later, we asked the police, could they check out where she'd used the card? Because we were still thinking she was somewhere and she perhaps used, you know, she was with a friend. I said, at least it will give us some idea where if she's in Crawley or if she's in Horsham or, where, you know, it will give us a, where she'd, cash, she'd use the cash machine. And because we didn't think of anything else then. And then when they told me it hadn't been used, um, but it hadn't been used at all. I just knew there was something wrong there. So to sum up, uh, somebody who knows Georgina well and would identify her a yeah. hundred times out of a hundred, absolutely, 100% mm. identified her around eight o'clock that evening in a slight altercation on this corner here of Towering Road and Clifton Road, yeah. on the corner of Tesco's. The police seem to be working hard to exclude possibilities. Why was that? I feel like we've done all the, the investigating and searching and looking for answers and and you know oh, yeah. we, we've gone out we've gone out to places I've run over I've drove over to Brighton before I've had to get to work in an hour to to speak to somebody who said they might have some important information you know in the middle of Brighton people sightings possible sightings because I wanted to hear firsthand because every time we told the police they said that no no they just said no it's not her we, we know it's not her so I said to Petra several times I'm going to drive over there and see for myself and we did that several times but obviously we never saw anything um, but myself I think in the beginning they dismissed it as Regina had gone off on a you know meeting someone you know jolly in the beginning and that's why it was never taken seriously so you know that's why that all this CCTV was let let go and then it was too late and they couldn't do anything about it if you have any information regarding the Georgina Garsala case, no matter how insignificant you may think it is, please contact Sussex Police on 101 or in confidence via Crime Stoppers, who are offering a £10,000 reward. Murdered Missing Unsolved is presented by me, Donald McIntyre, and produced by Inherent Productions and Steve Langridge. Music is by Alex Sane and additional audio production by John Franklin Audio. Coming up next, every parent's concern. Has had boyfriends where I thought, oh yeah, can't you find somebody nicer than him? Um, you know, whatever are you doing with him? I think she was attracted to that type. I don't know why. Dozens of messages from a man she'd just met. They were the last messages on the phone, like the last sort of bit of data on the phone. And Georgina's state of mind. Then wouldn't they have found her if she'd have gone and jumped off the pier? 
Sussex Police were asked to participate and comment on the issues raised in this podcast, but refused. 